Good morning. I was blessed by the opening songs and the general theme. And it, uh, I'm not sure if these two brothers collaborated here or if it's a witness of the Holy Spirit in our midst. There is... Um, there's a heart already being expressed this morning about pressing in, about having a desire. I wonder how many of us sit here and are thirsty. How many of us, I wonder how many of us are sitting here and are longing that water. And I wonder if there is no thirst, if there is no hunger that has anything to do with our lifestyle. Um, we tend to We tend to make our own ways. We tend to make what is broad and narrow. We tend to decide what is right. And I believe a lot of times we forget to put, to put God on the throne where he right, rightfully belongs. And I believe many a times... That is why there's a hunger missing. That is why there's no thirst. There's this one verse that I'm going to repeat. I, I don't even have it in my notes, but Brother Samuel repeated it. Draw an eye to God, and he will draw an eye unto you. And I've come to realize in my last few years that how much of our drawing nigh is action. We tend to interpret these verses with some kind of a mind aspiration that we're doing something. And we've come to, the ex to accept that drawing nigh is a feeling. And I'm drawing nigh and I'm good now. But that's not how it works. And maybe this morning, if there is, if there's even a desire there and there's nothing happening with it, maybe it's because we're pursuing Christ the wrong way. I want to speak this morning on the narrow way and the broad way. And it, it's something that was so heavy on my heart during the week, I, I didn't know what to do with it. And I don't know what, uh, it just came to me a few weeks ago. And I, I realized, I begin to realize how, how we mix these two ways up and how we, we tend to make our own little way. And we forgot, forget to, to go to scripture and define what the way is. 
In Scripture, they call it the followers of the way. Jesus calls it the narrow way. And we enter in by the narrow gate. <clears throat> so I want to talk on that this morning. And hopefully it's more of a, <clears throat> a warning and an admonition. I wish it could be encouraging. Hopefully we can be encouraged by it. Uh, but I would like again to pray this morning. You can rise to our feet. Father in heaven, we thank you for what has been given. We thank you for the witness of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we still have a witness here in this earth. And we pray, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we prepare our hearts to see you clearly. To see who you are. To see the working that you, Holy Spirit, O Holy Spirit, are doing in our lives. And to be obedient, to adhere, to be sensitive. Lord, we pray that you give us the grace this morning to examine our lives, to look at our lives. So that in our lives we may see this thirst and this hunger for righteousness. Where you commend the blessing on it. And we pray, Lord, that we may have hearts that pursue, that seek you. That we may have hearts, if we can examine ourselves and find that we erred, that we went astray. Lord, that you give us hearts that are repentant. Truly repentant before your face, O Lord God. And we pray, we pray, Lord, that you may minister this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you may move our hearts. We pray that there's no room, no distraction from the enemy this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We pray your blessing on it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Back in um, 2012, I think it's that time, 13, a few of us brothers went to Mexico. We went down there quite regularly back then. I, I think since the pandemic is coming to an end, we might see it again. And But we delivered a vehicle down to a men's rehab. And we checked in on all the places that we work with and that we donate money to. We visited with people. We went to people's homes. We experienced the culture. It was a full day. We were busy. It was a blessing. Usually in the evenings, we go around and we're amazed at uh, the Mexican culture, how they come out, all dressed up, nicely calm. And just to be on the street and visit. <clears throat> and it was a blessing to see. Um, but this one evening, we decided we're going to climb a local mountain. I don't know, it looked like it was 14,000 feet, but I think it was only like 2,000 feet or 3,000. I'm not sure. I don't remember anymore. 
And uh, I've never done anything like that in my life. I've played a lot of sports. I ran a lot. I swam a lot. But I never did anything like climbing a mountain. I've heard brothers who were down there, they did the same thing, how strenuous it was. They thought they'd fall over and die. But you we just you just continuously keep going and going. And I think it was probably the most strenuous workout I have ever done. And if if I could have some way somehow put some weight off, I would have done it. Well, my pockets were empty. The only weight was me. There was no way I could put weight off. It was quite an experience in the power of gravity. As gravity pulls down, we're trying to go up. It was rewarding to reach the top. I think I even called my wife from the top. The view, saw the U.S. border. But going down, it was easy. It took about maybe a quarter of the time it took us to go up. As I was thinking about this message, the climb up that hill reminds me of our Christian journey. If we would have any at any point just stopped, we wouldn't have continued. In fact, in a little bit or so, we'd have probably gone down again. And, and so is our journey. It's an uphill battle. It's an uphill climb. The start is usually fairly easy, but as we continue onward, it gets more difficult. Our life is very similar as we grow older and as we're all of us today are coming closer to the end of our life's journey. And as we journey closer to Christ, we will find that we need to lighten the, the load. The difference from that mountain is that we can lighten our load by the grace of God. You cannot stop halfway up on the mountain and go on a diet or something. It doesn't work. You can get off some weight. You cannot cut off a hand or anything like that. There is no way of putting off weight. But God has given us the ability by the grace of God in our spiritual journey to put off weight. That weight that in Hebrews 12 says what that so easily besets us. Jesus talked about that. And we're going to have it for our text this morning, as I said before, in a narrow way. And our life is and should be like the narrow way. And uh, when, when I look at it, the reality of it, I am amazed how easily we can become numb to the fact of what a narrow way is. In fact, I don't remember ever hearing someone, maybe I'm a short memory loss, preaching a message on the 
broad and narrow way. <clears throat> In fact, if you take time to meditate on that reality, you will find out and you'll be surprised how many of us are on the broad way. So let's turn to Matthew 17, verse 13 and 14. Matthew 17, verse 13 and 14. <clears throat> Matthew 17, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So there's not much spoken directly on the narrow way and the broad way. But if we take these, just look at these verses and take them apart, we can take out quite a few warnings. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. Number one is, the narrow gate. Jesus knew that before we can even enter into life, there will be a major unloading happening first. We usually preach on that, that there is a before and that there is an after. So right when we respond to Christ's calling to enter into the kingdom of God, there is already a major unloading. There is a getting rid of. There is a changing of mentality. There is a change of ambition. There is a change of allegiance. There is a getting rid of stuff. There is a getting rid of habits. It's narrow. It strips us down. The narrow gate. Number two. The way is difficult. Jesus knew that if we journey on the way, our life will be difficult. What does that look like? How often do we hear these, these verses that all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient? And this is probably our flagship verse when it comes to taking liberty. Where in our mentality is it that we will, we will, gonna, we will have to make decisions that will make our life difficult sometimes? We will have to make some decisions that will hurt us, but they will, it will sharpen our senses. It will sharpen who we are in Christ. There is no easy life. If we are focused on Christ in eternity, because everything around us will distract and hinder us from reaching that goal. Number three. Few will find the gate. Few will find the gate that leads to life. Out of the billions of people, this year, the population on the earth 
is going to reach 8 billion. I think it's in November, statistically. A few out of the billions of people, there's few that will find it. What does that mean for us? This means that we have to be careful that only a few from here will find the gate. The way, number four, the way to destruction is wide and so is the gate. It's broad with no restrictions at all. So we, we get this calling. I don't know, maybe it's even genuine or maybe it's emotion. We're Christian now. Let me tell you, if there's nothing happening in your life, nothing changes, nothing has to be stripped off of your life to enter into the gate, you're deceived. According to the words of Jesus, you're deceived. The gate is narrow, but the way to destruction is wide. And so is the gate. The word to look at it in point number four is destruction. Destruction, I didn't look it up, but means to destroy. We will be destroyed. There will be no life there. There is deadness. Now what destroys? Probably taking part of everything that our flesh desires or wants or wants to indulge in. It destroys. It goes to destruction. <laughs> Number five, there are many who go on the way of destruction. So how do we measure then? If we look around, many are on the way of destruction. Where do we take our example from? Just the concept, the wisdom that Jesus used for using the narrow and the broad way gives us a picture that there's no easy way here, that there's something that has to be done. So let's find out. Hopefully we can look a little bit at our life to find if we're on part of the few or part of the many. Again, one leads to life and one leads to destruction. The reality is, I believe we do not heed enough of that. There are two ends. One leads to life. One leads to destruction. And I believe even on the path, on the way, on our lives right now, if it's destruction, we will know it. We will see it. And hopefully we're not known by it. Hopefully we're not um, inoculated by it. Our habits, our practices, what we accept, what we love, what we hold dear, all determine our destiny. When I look at the reality, and maybe I meditate a little too long on it, but when I look at the reality of these truths, I tremble. 
I shake before the Lord. And it's, and probably what is the most fearful is how suddenly, suddenly we can be on the Broadway and not even realize it and know it. And here's what we need to do. We all have to stop, look at our lives, and look around. Examine the signs along the way to figure out on which road we are on. And Paul commends that in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. And it's, to me, that's a weekly, that's a daily thing. So I want to explore these two ways so that we may see on which road we are journeying. Journey. One thing I can assure you is that if you walk on the Broadway, the life of God will be destroyed in you without you even realizing it. And as I said, I believe that is the most Scary thing is how suddenly we can be on the Broadway and the life of God be destroyed in us. And not only is the end destructive, but every day of our life is destructive unless we repent and return to God. Modern-day Christianity has so erroneously fogged the whole concept of the broad and narrow way. That the way, it's fogged so much that the way of destruction is simply looked at as a liberty by the overcoming believer while he is being destroyed by the enemy's tactics. And any time you speak about Narrow, get rid of things in your life. It's legalistic. What's, what's legalistic about drawing nigh to God and removing the whole of the enemy in our life? It's one way legalistic. That is according to the word of God. We have failed to look at our life and failed to determine if what we do is destructive or life-giving. We would be surprised how much of what we do in our life needs to be purged out. I was meditating. Again, I did a lot of it. On how we make decisions. Is it decisions as a church? Is it decisions as a business? Is it personal decisions? What do we ground these decisions on? Women are good at updating. In the name of it has to work. We need to advance our businesses. We need to advance our lives. I want to challenge you. Next time you feel you want to update something in your house or in our businesses or in our community, ask what is really behind 
that upgrade. You'll be surprised how often you're just looking for something to do and fulfilling a void. You will be surprised. In fact, it's scary. In fact, eventually you can just pick it up just like that. This is why Paul spoke about covetousness and idolatry. In the meantime, while Christ can work in our lives, we occupy ourselves with something that is not even at all connected to Christ. Something that we have to realize. In a believer's life, there is a continuing purging of action, of material goods, habits. Jesus said in John 15, verses 1 and 2, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. It's His work. It's not of our own. If we commit ourselves to Christ, He will purge. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Out it goes. But, he goes on and says, And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So what is he pruning of a good branch? There is stuff is being pruned off that don't need to be there, that take energy from the vine so that there is more fruit. And this means in our life, if we're not actively pruning, it's scary. The vine dresser is not working in our lives. And I, I believe we've come to a place where we're even hardened. We're hardened to the fact that we accept what the enemy is using to draw us in, have us on the Broadway to destruction. When I, when I think on these things, I always come to the place on the, on the potential there is on a believer. And I believe so many of us, the expectation is simply surviving. But the expectation of Christ is more fruit. But if the expectation in our life is only surviving, we'll die. Christ works in us. He prunes us so that there's more work, so that there's more fruit. The life of God coming forth out of us. The more we let Christ purge from our life, the more fruit we will bear. We're living in a fallen world, and maybe I can draw that here, a little bit what I mean. So, I wonder if this works. Yeah. So, this is supposed to be a circle, and this is supposed to be a circle. And this is the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of darkness. Um, 
the way I visualize it, we are here. And there's a pull here, and there's a pull here. We're in the world. Christ said we are in the world, but not of the world. There's a pull from the kingdom of darkness 24-7. There is a, a influence, there is a calling from the kingdom of God on our life. We exist in the middle somewhere, and it is a continuous battle. Remember, there's only two kingdoms. And we have to find that we wholeheartedly live, submit to the kingdom of God. If we don't do it, we're being pulled by the kingdom of darkness, which that way is not narrow anymore. When Christ came to this earth, he gave men the opportunity to overcome sin and wrong and to be connected to God. The kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit. Now we can be tethered to Christ and the kingdom of God here in this earth. Or just live under the influence of darkness. And I believe this is why so many of us see gray areas. Um, we are living in a fallen world. We have determined if we're being led down the road that leads to destruction or the road that leads to life. We have to determine that road. When, when we see something, when we see action, when we see activities, where does that influence come from? Things we accept. Where does that influence come from? And I'll address some practical points later on. But in our life, whatever we may be doing, again, is it buying? Is it shopping? Is it Pastime, free time. What is it being influenced by? So we're here today. Can we confidently say that we strive to enter in? That we strove to enter in at the narrow gate and we've accepted the difficulties that are on the way that leads to life. I believe that Many of us here will say yes. I believe many of us will say they're trying. And I believe many of us are. But have we taken the time to actually look at it and see? Again, Jesus said in 1624, whoever wants to be his disciple... If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. Everything that comes from the kingdom of darkness is feeding the flesh. Is it, it, it just builds the flesh. And the more we deny ourselves, the less of the kingdom of darkness we'll have. Everything that we find on the road to destruction is pleasing to our flesh. So let's look at it. We... We have the obvious ones. There's drunkenness or any substance abuse, fornication, adultery, covetousness, idolatry, stealing. They are destructive and we know it. I don't think we need to preach much on these sins. 
we know it. And if we are engaged in any of these things, we all know that anyone who engages in these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if we are unrepented, we are condemned to hell. We are on the road to destruction, very obviously. We know that if the works of the flesh are what we are being characterized with, the works of the flesh in Galatians 2, uh, Galatians 5, we will, we will be condemned to hell. And we're on the road of destruction. Unless we repent and the Holy Spirit does His work in us. And Christ cleanses us from all our sins. But if our name comes up, and what enters into, our, into your mind, if my name comes up, and all you see is the works of the flesh, this is who I am. It's not what I say. And if that is part of who I am, we're condemned. We're on the broad way. It doesn't matter what ideas we've accepted or what church we're part of. It does. It is... No, if the cleansing and purify, purifying work of Christ does not happen in our life, we are condemned. So we can sit here and proclaim we're free from the most obvious sins mentioned in the Bible. Um, I believe we can. And let God be the judge of that. But what about the subtle ones that are not so obvious? Lost. Gossip. Busybody. What what about all what about all these? What about the ones that we've gotten used to? Are our hobbies sanctified? The activities that we pursue are they sanctified? Do they represent a narrow way? As I was thinking on it, how, how do, you, how do, we, where is the line? And I have to tell you, brothers and sisters, I don't know where the line is. But we have to look for fruit. If in our life there is no fruit, we are not on the narrow way. We are not on the way of life. Our activities, the things that we do, will be rather hard and build a kingdom. Or they will not challenge us and they'll keep us lazy and complacent in our walk with God. And we'll have to make these measurements. So in other words, if our flesh makes all our decisions, we are simply living according to the flesh. So examine your life. Start analyzing your decision. What motivates you? Is it the burden of God? Is it taking care of the things of God? Is it taking care of your neighbor? What motivates these actions? At the end of the day, end of the week, you come to the end of the month, was my life regulated by a burden from God? Or is it the opposite? Walking free and careless down 
the broad way of disruption. The way we work, the way we spend our time, and the way we deal in our homes brings out the evidence that we are actually on the way of life. Jesus never <clears throat> said in these two verses what's on the way of destruction. But we've got a whole book that teaches us. We have the Holy Spirit that warns us about the way of destruction. And we have to realize when it speaks about life, it is being full of life now. And destructive destruction is being destructive now. And when I talk about these two terms, I talk from an eternal perspective. Our presence needs to bring life. Our presence in the body needs to bring life in whatever gifting we come. Our presence should not tear down, it should not be destructive. If it is, we are on that broad way, no, no restrictions, no pursuing of Christ, no Christ in our life as Brother Samuel spoke in the opening. One of the one of the <clears throat> issues where the broad and narrow way comes in is in our digital lives. And that's, that I want to spend the next few minutes talking about that. And I know we, we've accepted <clears throat> mobile phones for business. We've accepted internet for business. And um, we've said, end quote, that we will learn to deal with it because it's here. And what I'm going to say right now is part of that journey. The burden that I have on my heart coming <clears throat> from digital devices and is that we somehow came to the conclusion that these devices, that our phones, our computers, don't fit in to this broad and narrow way concept. And I, I'll explain to you later what I mean. <clears throat> I mean, we might put on a good physical appearance or demeanor, and we, we might look pretty good. We figured out the outside, how we conduct ourselves, and uh, we might say the right things at the right time. We say yes, of course, at the right time, and no, a lot of times the right things. But what about our digital life? And I, I believe it is, it is at the point in the 21st century, in 2022, that the digital life is, is, is so real, we cannot ignore it anymore. It has brought about so many addictions. It has destroyed so many lives. 
It has destroyed families. Why do we ignore it? I remember 15, 20 years ago when digital videos came on the scene. Um, before that, it, there was a video, it was in school, or it was hard to come by. And the way that industry grew and digitized into places that we that you can hardly imagine. Today, this new generation coming up can't even relate 15 years ago. And today I look at the overall digital scene and it's devastating how inoculated everyone has come, become to media influence. The destruction it has brought on the church of God. is mind-boggling. And somehow we dream of a silver bullet of being part of it and somehow fixing it. We cannot ignore it. When all it takes is to apply the principles of God. Well, we, another thing we fail to see is that 98% of the content that is available on these popular download apps, 98% is influenced by the prince of this world. And teenagers in America, they get down to 12, 11, 10. They get these devices, these phones, and as soon as they're able to, they download these satanic apps and they influence their life from here forth, here on forth. And what happens faster, if, if our children have access to these things, to YouTube, to social media, to videos, they get so fast desensitized to the kingdom of God, preaching and teaching will not catch up to it. They get desensitized to his holiness, to his laws. The conscience gets callous and weak to the point where God is being mocked. And we get, people get pulled deeper and deeper into the world in the way of destruction. And the biggest victims of that is our children. So I look at our inoculated generation in general the biggest burden is data. And I look at the spiritual lives in the homes, and there's devastation. But our data has to keep going. I see a generation that is consumed with Epson Media. And again, why, why am I bringing this up? We know it's not going away. But if we want to talk about a narrow way, it has to include every area of our life. These devices, this modern technology, has to be treated just like anything in the past. Some stuff is from Satan, and some of it is from Christ, from the kingdom of God. It falls into these two categories. 
And if we don't intentionally take our devices and cleanse them from these demonic forces, we will be taken down with them. A year ago or so, for some reason or another, I removed apps from my phone. Nothing, not really having much in mind. Um, but I knew I was part of it. There was an app. I downloaded Yeah, that's pretty good. I downloaded it. One of the apps that got removed was YouTube. That's over a year ago, even longer. Maybe I had downloaded it sometime again, but I never, never really used YouTube a lot. But through that, it dawned on me how we can use a phone as a tool and that we have to make choices on what we have on our phones, just like our life. What do we accept in our life here and what don't we accept? Our background made a choice of having no TVs. And we said, yes, it's a good idea. Why do we think it's okay that every one of us sitting here to walk around with you two with a TV in our pocket, and anytime we sit down, we go and watch TV. The only thing that's, di that's different is it's not standing in the living room it's a little more secretive and a little more dangerous. Now, we will watch YouTube. We do our own businesses. We, we teach in school. We use it as a teaching tool. But why does it have to be in our front living room, in our pockets, in our bedrooms? Why? Does a TV have to be at the press of our finger? One press power, the other one YouTube, and we're in TV. Where is that concept of the narrow way of making life difficult so the, the enemy will not destroy us? Same thing with social media. That is the biggest demonic tool that I've, one of the biggest ones that I've ever seen. Five years ago, we decided as a church together that we will free our devices from social media. I did it, and so I have many brothers here, and I can guarantee you, brothers, those of you that made that choice, the fruits are there. It's been five years. Look at it. Look at these fruits. I know those, have, those who have not, the fruits are also there. And it's not good. Why do we walk on the Broadway in our digital world? Remember, they're here to stay. Why don't we choose to cleanse? They're destroying Grown men, they're destroying fathers. They're destroying mothers. They're destroying young people. Can we grasp a hole that <clears throat> the time we spend on YouTube 
the time we spend on social media is destroying our soul. It is destroying us. It's destroying our families. Take the two, look at your phone. Every one of you, look at, not now, but look at your phone, look at your screen time. Now I get it. Again, more and more of our businesses are run on phones and emails and all that. But it doesn't need to be three, four, five, six hours. Look at it. Be honest with yourself. And then ask yourself, what can I do with these three hours? One week, most of us have spent one full day on these demonic forces. Why do we think it's okay for our young people to be in a bedroom, living under our roof as a father, to be in a bedroom with a TV and a social media? Why do we think it's okay? What is, is that a way of life or is that the way of destruction? Why do we think it's okay when our family is scattered all over and a father is sitting in the front room, sitting and watching movies. Is that the broad way or is it the narrow way? Twenty years ago, there was no need for this message. Very little. Malaysia was a prophetic. But it's real today. It has just dawned on me the last week that in my pocket I'm carrying around a whole world of information, good and bad. And that thing in my pocket, my phone, has to be cleansed just like any other thing in my life. And I, if I have YouTube and social media on my front page, I can you can about guess what's what's happening. We can try to walk on a narrow way, but I've been looking around the last ten years. The battle is not what it used to be. The enemy is smart, he's shifting gears. And now it's it's modern technology. And if we can take that technology and use it as a tool, we are being destroyed with our families. It's a deception. If we don't do it, we're going to be down the road of destruction. Jesus warned about it. And there's many activities <clears throat> that we can do digitally. On the internet, video, social, media, music. One thing that, another thing that alarms me is the music that is creeping into our midst. You hear just all kinds of music that defiles the mind. 
And again, we're so fooled. We're not sharp. And if a bend or a person says he's a Christian artist, many of us, we're so ignorant, we accept it. And we say, our young people, they listen to Christian music. All arts, all arts are a way to persuade us either this direction here, to the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of God. Music, videos, and this desensitize us from, from God, from the laws of God, from the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's no more guesswork. It's no more somebody dreaming something up hypothetically. The proof is out. It's, it's everywhere. The studies are everywhere. Congress is speaking about it. This generation has a media, a social media addiction. And if we don't repent and turn from it, we will perish as well. If we keep all these doorways open in our life, they will get us. Get off this idea, this hyper-super spiritual talk that you have to conquer it. It's just talk. This concept that Brother Samuel talked about, drawing nigh unto God, takes physical movements and actions. It's not just a mental aspiration. If we expect God's blessing on our life, we need to cleanse Everything in our life, including digital. And if digital, the pipeline from the prince of this world, has an access into our children's hearts, into our young people's hearts, it will bring destruction, and it might never be able to, it might never be able to recover. Don't be fooled by it. Don't act ignorant. A lot of times we see Middle-aged parents, and I feel sorry for them. They came, they came on board after the tech tsunami. But what I don't appreciate about them is they feel they act hopeless. And they act as if they cannot do anything. Sorry, brothers and sisters. If you're one of them, there's no excuse. We cannot let that happen. Our children deserve more than being filled with filth continuously, six hours a day. I want to take a principle of Jesus here concerning all that in Matthew 5, verse 27 and 30. He said, You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whosoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now you tell me that a phone is harmless. You tell me that it's okay if my young person living under my roof it's okay for them to have YouTube, social media, and all kinds of apps that they want to download. 
What about the standard of Christ here? And what does he say to how to deal with it? We, we, we all know that these apps are filthy. Let's not pretend. And they have to be cleansed. Here's how Jesus told us how to deal with it. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, I'm not saying that all is sin and doom on our phones or on the internet. But if there's anything that encourages sin and neglecting the Lord, we should take advice of Christ and cut it from our life. He was talking about a right hand and an eye. And we're really making a big deal out of apps, convenience, you know, the, the wide road, the broad way, make everything nice and comfortable. What about making a little bit difficulty for the sake of Christ? If we are honest with ourselves and be obedient to Christ, and we will find these verses come to life and we'll be blessed. Now, I want to say... And praise the Lord, I know some of you here have already done what I'm saying here. You went and you cleansed your device. And the Lord bless you for it. And he will bless you. Some of you know what it means to put guards up. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know how everyone is doing, but I know for a fact some of you have done it. Some of you have purposely made a difficult, restricted your device down to a tool. The Lord bless you. The fruits will show. And fathers, our children deserve more than to have a YouTube dad or social media dad. If there's anything like that, it's time to repent. It's time to cleanse house because it's the road of destruction. The heart behind is what I'm, what I'm saying is, is to have our lives cleansed, our phones cleansed, so that it is something that the Lord can use that we have to be on top of it. We make decisions on our phones, not our phones making decisions for us. And it's going to get worse. Algorithms only get better. AI just gets better. And recent studies have found out every with every year, AI gets better, addictions get worse. So if there's one thing that I want you to take home and not just take home and smile with it. 
is to go on your phone and look and be honest with yourself. How many evenings am I spending wasting time and not reading the word of God, not praying, not spending and coming together with my children, not having a family time. Instead of I'm being numbed, intoxicated with these kingdom of darkness forces that the enemy so wisely use and we're falling traps to it. We have to be willing for the sake of Christ to walk on the narrow path. Many hours are wasted on phones and entertainment and Christ is neglected. And I know even throughout the years, I had, I had people come to me and the Sonic Wall, you know, you all know the Sonic Wall. Why do we have to do with it? Why, it's such a nuisance. Signing in. Put away with it. Filters. It's oversensitive. And all I can think of, it's probably not hard enough. I'm not saying not using these tools, but it's the excess on our nose, on right on our fingertips that'll get us. And you all know what I'm talking about. Now look through your life, ask yourself, what am I immune to by now? What am I immune to? John wrote in 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So why do we need, do we think we need to have these things so convenient that they're right at our fingertips. So let's do some cleansing. If there's any desire as expressed in the opening, there has to be a cleansing first. The narrow way is the only way. There's a... We have to learn to make tough decisions. We have to learn. We have to learn to live with some inconveniences for the sake of life. There's this old story found in uh, commentaries, and I rearranged a little bit because of old English. It says, in the middle of the night, a house is on fire. Everywhere the flames break out, cries of alarm are raised, where there's an unfortunate sleeper above this furnace, which is going to consume him. He awakes, and he frantically looks around. Before him is a single passage that remains open, but it's narrow. It is barely wide enough for him to get through and save his life. What does he do? With grasping and feverish hands, he gathers all that he can save of his goods. And laden with his treasures, bending under his burden, he arrives at the door that refused to give him passage. He came to the narrow passage with all his earthly possessions that he could carry only to find that the door was too narrow for him to pass through. And there he stood lamenting about all the goods that would have to leave behind in all the times the flames started to go all around him. 
He had to come to a quick realization that the only way to save his life is to get rid of the load that he carried. This house which is falling in is our life. This devouring flame is the judgment of the Holy God. This open door is the grace of God. And these treasures which we which will ruin which will ruin you mean nothing in eternity. The practices, the wealth, or whatever it is, what we hold on to, they will destroy us, not save us. So may God give us the grace to journey the narrow way and not to stumble along on the way of destruction to hell. Remember, God promises eternal life to all those who believe on him. It is that very eternal life that will resurrect us on the last day. And he said in seven, John 7, 38, He who believes in me, as the scripture had said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Believe, believing in Jesus is entering at the narrow gate and striving to follow him all the way through. Made alive of God flow through us. May his life be in us. <clears throat> so may God give us the wisdom to purify and cleanse our lives. And I want, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to clean house. Um, I've seen, and I think a lot of you have seen the destruction it has done. So may God give us the grace to do so.